Good morning, everyone. How many could finish this line? April showers bring... Actually, in Oregon, they bring just tons of weeds. That's all I've been doing. It's every spare moment. Uh, we have some flowers, but they're being choked out by the weeds. I have a couple sermons coming on about weeds. Anyway, so uh, do I sound a little bitter? <laughs> I am not. I'll just tell you what, I love the rain, but uh, and I love the warmth, too. It's just in Oregon, something happens. We're like this, this uh, weed haven, so... Anyway, if I look like my hands are all dirty, it's because of the weeds. There you go. All right, well, let's begin this morning by looking at our little words of encouragement. And so if I can have my dear, wonderful, sweet Emma up to help me, heaven forbid, you can never leave this congregation. Do you understand that? You're, you're stuck. We're not letting you go. So here we go. All right, we'll start here. I'll put this one on the bottom. So I'll save the best till last, okay? So since... Oh, wait, 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 there's more. Thank you very much. I love that commercial, whatever one that is. Cynthia, thank you for, uh, for sharing your talent and tickling the ivories for us on Sunday mornings. Amen to that. And uh, you are a blessing to me and to all of us. There you go. All right, here we go. Sherry Stewart, it is so awesome to see you this morning. I love your smile and bright spirit. I didn't write it, but I can say amen to that one. So there you go. All right. Hey, TJ and Melissa, it's great to see you and your lovely family this morning. It's great to have you in assembly. We missed you. There you go. All right. Gabe, it's so wonderful to see your handsome face and smile here this morning. Amen. I've never gotten one like that. Man, there you go. That's great. Okay, uh, here's a word of encouragement to our church family. So thankful and grateful for all the smiles, the hugs, the children's laughter, and fellowship. That's a great one. All right. Also, I've, been, I've almost decided to create the 11th commandment. No cute babies in the audience. Man, I'm talking about distractions. Man, cute babies. Crazy. I'm just kidding. All right. Here we go. This is to the parks. I know you're going to listen to this later. Uh, they are sharing their faith, the gospel, and wisdom with the Alvador Church. You know, we need to keep them in our prayers. I just so appreciate their willingness to step up and do what others are not willing to do. And uh, it's great. And they're, I know they're going to do an excellent job. They're visiting right now. And then uh, uh, next Sunday morning is the first Sunday that, that Kirk is going to be preaching. And uh, man, he's got a good one for him. I, I can't wait. So anyway, I hope, I think they televised theirs too. I'll have to check it out. So here you go. You want to put that back there on mine and I'll give it to him tonight. Jeffrey D for his thoughtful, provoking and insightful teachings. I would say amen to that one. I would say also poking kinds of uh, sermons too. So here's another one. Cynthia, you're the rock star this morning. Cynthia, you are a great sister, and I'm amazed at how you can stop and go with a song leader who is not always leading. <laughs> Guess who? <laughs> and, uh, you know what? Both you and my son Andrew are phenomenal about that. It's just like, I don't know how you do it. Uh, there we go. Okay, so here we go. Tanya Johnson, your faithfulness in assembly 
with Christians is a true blessing. Your love and friendship to many is an example of Christ. Excellent. And also, too, I love your little heart emojis and stuff whenever I send things out. So, Mr. Kirkpatrick, your message was awesome. Ty, there you go. I love the way these things are in big, gigantic, bold. You can't miss them. I have to read them the way they're written, right? Mr. Logan. Isn't it kind of neat to know that you're a mister? You're, you're all grown up. <laughs> Mr. Logan, thank you for leading prayer meditation. I really like listening to you. Braxton, there you go. All right, all right, all right. So there are some announcements this morning. Uh, right after assembly, for those who are staying uh, for the work day, we're going to have a little potluck. We're going to hang out. I know people like to run out and start slaying the weeds. Lord knows we need to slay the weeds. But before we go out, we want to get a little grub. So right after assembly, for those who are helping out, you want to go downstairs. After, of course, the chit-chat and the fellowship, uh, hang out for a little bit, kind of get a bearing on what needs to get done and how it's going to get done. That would be great. Sunday evening is at Tambra Dumbrow's. Wednesday evening, by the way, is also at Tambra Dumbrow's. And if you want to know how to get into heaven, this is what we're talking about in the next two weeks. We did two weeks of how to get to heaven, and this next two weeks, we'll continue to do the same. So hopefully you can show up and uh, figure out how to get to heaven. Now, we're doing it every Sunday too, so anyway. Let's see, what else do we need to know? Monday night, by the way, is on, right honey? Where are you? Monday night's on. So if the cook isn't working, I don't know, Monday night could be pretty rugged. So Sharon's on for the cooking, and I'm on for the preaching. So any other questions that we might need to know about? Any others? Okay. Let's begin in a word of prayer. Oh, wait a minute. We have some birthdays. Wow, I can't believe I almost did that. So here we go. I saw them this morning. Well, David's not here today. Where's David? With his dad. With his dad? Well, you're just going to have to tell him we sang him happy birthday. He'll be here on Sunday. Oh, he's here next Sunday? Yeah. Okay. We'll hold and we'll, we'll snag him on Sunday. How's that sound? And Eli McKinney, I know you're watching, so we're going to sing happy birthday to you. I'll tell you what, Eli McKinney wants to become an Oregon State Police Officer. And I don't know about you, ma'am, but that's awesome. Uh, he wants to actually become a game warden. So that's awesome, too. And so who knows, I might meet him someday in the woods. It's always nice to know who you're meeting in the woods, right? Here we go. We're going to sing to you, Eli. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right, here we go. Let's, now we can ask the Lord's blessing on our lesson. Our holy God in heaven, we're thankful that you have given us such an amazing example. As we close the lesson this morning, we're going to read a passage out of Philippians 3, where the Apostle Paul so desires to know you fully in every facet of your life, but most particularly the power that you demonstrated in enduring and powering to and through the cross right into heaven. And Father, we too need to have that kind of desire. 
that we should every morning pray that we would know you. We might know every facet about you and that in our reading that we would listen and hear just how to do that. This morning, I pray that we'll do the same. I ask this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. How did Jesus do it? How did Jesus do it? How did he live a life perfect and then go all the way to the cross without giving up? How did he do it? Some of you know that Jesus knew from the very start that Judas was going to betray him. I mean, from the moment he, he selected him, I don't know when he was up on the mountain praying that night before he selected the apostles that God said, oh, by the way, uh, we need to add one bad apple into the group. In fact, you want to make him treasure so he can steal money out of the money box. I don't know, but it says that he knew from the beginning who was going to betray him. How did Jesus do that? He kept with the program. He knew how it ended in this physical life. He knew that because he trusted his father completely. That's what it says in 1 Peter. Would you turn there with me right now? 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to get our minds ready to receive the lesson this morning. And so 1 Peter chapter 2 from last week. Notice what it says there in verse 21 and following. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 21 through 23. For you have been called for this purpose, Christian, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. And while suffering, he uttered no threats. Here we go. Here's the answer. But kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. How did he do it? He kept trusting God, his father. The challenge is, is how did he do that? How did he trust God? How did he trust his father? He knew exactly what was going to happen to him. Now, he was a human being like you and I. I think sometimes we think, well, he was in heaven and before they created the world, the father and the son got together and decided with the help of the counselor, the Holy Spirit, that Jesus was the one that was going to die. I know they didn't draw straws, but Jesus was the one that was going to have to die to pay the sins for all humanity. Now, they had already decided that they were going to make humans, you and me. Jesus knew before he came. But think with me for just a minute. When he left heaven and entered into Mary's womb as she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. That little two-celled zygote named Jesus had no consciousness. How many of you remember when you were conceived in the womb? I sure don't. How many remember when you were born? I don't. I know it was 2.10 in the morning. I know it was at the Oakland Hospital. I know that I was uh, uh, not very big. I was a little squirmy, wormy kind of guy. But that's all because I was told. Jesus had no consciousness when he was born. 
He had to grow up like you and I in every single way. So how did he do it as a human being? I don't know about you, but that just blows me away. He did trust his father all the way to and through the cross. The way Jesus did is the way that we're supposed to do it. By the way, jump back with me to 1 Peter, and we're going to just read the, the verse 19 of chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. Notice Peter tells us how it's done. Peter tells us how those who are the righteous ones of God do it right here. Verse 19. Notice what he says there. He says, Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. We're going to get to that passage and we're going to dissect that passage, but not today. We're going to go back to the passage that we ended with last week. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. This is how it's done. This is how we trust God in every circumstance, situation, decision, relationship, trial, challenge, difficulty. This is how we do it. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. And we're going to read it in the context, but we'll read just that verse first. Did I say 1 Timothy? I meant 2 Timothy. Sorry about that. Read your printed notes. They'll guide you better than sometimes I do. Verse 12. Here we go. For this reason I also suffer these things. For I'm not ashamed. And here it is. For I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I entrusted to him until that day. He's able to guard that which I entrusted to him until that day. What day is that? That's the day that I enter into heaven. That's actually, if you think about it, it's the day that I breathe my last and I leave this earth because then my destiny is secured, right? It's appointed for men to die once and then face judgment. I mean, things don't change after you breathe your last and you die. Your soul's going to exist forever. Now, where your soul exists depends on if you trust God or not. I mean, really, if you want to come to the book of Hebrews preaching on Wednesday night, it comes down to, did we trust and believe God? Well, look at my first point this morning. My first point is, do you really know him? What does this verse say? For this reason, Paul says, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am convinced or persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've entrusted to him my life. Do you know him? Do you really know him? Before I go any further, I, I, I want to ask you a question. I don't want you to think about it. And I think you all know the answer to this one. It's a very simple question. How is it that we are able to trust someone? When you first meet someone, do you trust them? You would say, well, it depends on what you're asking me to trust them with. Would you trust them with your bank account numbers? Good. There's people say, no. 
Good. That's the right answer. No. You don't know them. Would you trust them with your dogs? That's almost as serious as my bank account, right? At least my dogs anyway. Sorry. How about your kids? Yeah, that's more important than your pets. Yes, your kids. You know what? I don't think so. I mean, I got to know you if I'm going to trust you with my kids. How about my life? Putting my life into your hands. Trusting you in very dangerous situations. What about my life? I better know you that you're not going to flinch. Now, put me on a plane to Ukraine. I'd be terrified. You're saying, why? Because I don't know anybody there except for Nicole. Nicole just became a Christian. But she's running for her life like everyone else. But if I were to go to Belarus, that's a different story. There are people there that I know would take me in and care for me for however long I needed to be cared for. You want to know why? Because they prove themselves over and over and over again in little things and big things. I know them. Now what about here? Notice. You know someone by time spent with them watching, listening, observing, interacting, and they're consistent. What are they consistent with? Their thought life is consistent with their words and with their actions, and their actions always bear out their motives, and their motives are always selfless. Can you trust that person? What's the answer? Well, the answer is absolutely. You know why Jesus says, he who is unrighteous in a little thing will be unrighteous in much. You know why he says that? Be careful who you trust. Do you remember? Jesus said that he did not trust man because he knew what was in him. See, so it's important for us to recognize, how do we trust God? Well, let's, let's begin to work on this. Paul trusted him because he knew him. That word know there, if you want to take a look at your lesson plan, is edo. That's the word there. And it means to perceive, know, and understand fully. 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 Paul said, I have come to know him fully in every facet of my life, and he has been consistent. He's never promised that he has not followed through. In every word he's spoken, it has come to pass. I can trust him. Do you remember the story about Paul on the ship? And I mean, it was in this horrible storm and everybody else was just, oh, we're going to die. And Paul was a little bit freaked out too, but an angel came to him and said, Paul, tonight, make sure these guys eat because tonight when you're shipwrecked, no one will be lost. Take courage. Now, what did Paul do? Isn't that amazing? We know that Paul 
knew and trusted God because when Jesus told him that, what does he do? Hey, gentlemen, break out the goodies. It's time to eat because I was just told by my God that we're all going to make it. And what'd they do? They actually did that. Who really became the boss in that show? It wasn't the, 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 the commander, the centurion. Remember what he wanted to do? <laughs> he wanted to jump ship. Or the sailors wanted to jump ship. And, the, and Paul said to the centurion, hey, these sailors are going to jump ship. You don't want them to put the boat out. Centurion took orders from Paul. Because Paul was taking orders from God. Because Paul completely trusted God that it was going to be okay. You see, it's amazing, this, this concept of Edo. It means to know in fullness, unlike gnosko. Gnosko is the one we oftentimes think of is knowing someone. It's getting to know them. Notice the concept of getting to know them. Do you know them? No, I'm getting to know them. When you first meet someone, if you want to develop a relationship, you're usually listening to their words very carefully. You're usually watching how they interact with other people, and you listen to see if they make commitments and if they follow through, right? Of course. Because if you establish a friendship with someone who's inconsistent, who's not going to be there for you, who does some shady kinds of things, guess who's the next target, folks? See, it's important then that we understand this Edo is really investing ourselves in knowing him. How do you do that? Well, we know that Edo means to perceive, to know, and to understand. Look at John chapter 8 really quick. Gospel of John chapter 8, verse 55. This is where the word gnosko comes in. Getting to know somebody. Don't know them yet. And then actually knowing for certain. Look at John chapter 8. Both of the words uh, know are used here. Gospel of John chapter 8, verse 54 and 55. 54 and 55. Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. And you have not come to know him. You have not come to get to know him. You're still in process, but you don't believe him. You don't know him. He is not your God. By the way, he says the devil is their God. So verse 55, and you have not come to know him, but I know him, Edo. I know him perfectly. And if I say that I don't, Edo, know him, I'll be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Jesus knew God perfectly. Now, how did he do it? How did he do it? Well, that's one of the things we're going to learn next week. How did he do it? But we need to understand this, that there is a knowing completely and a knowing kind of. There are a few people that I know you would entrust your bank account with. You know, my sons know all of my numbers for everything. If they want to get in my phone and check out what dad's been surfing, like I do that very much. Okay, they could do it. They know my numbers. All right. 
I trust them. So let's jump into each one of these three things, perceiving Jesus, perceiving God, knowing God in this particular uh, way, and then also to uh, understanding. Let's look at point number two. How can, how can I know him? To perceive how he responds in every life situation. When you read the scriptures, are you going there to see if he's consistent? Are you going there to see how he treats people? Are you going there to listen? Are you going there to see? You know what the word perceive means, by the way? It means to use all the senses. To use all the senses to gather information. Now, can you look at the scriptures and can you see Jesus? What's the answer? I don't know. Oh, yes, absolutely. Let's do it right now. Take a look at the book of Luke in chapter 7. Let's look at Jesus in a, a really uncomfortable situation that he finds himself in. He finds himself dining with a very selfish man, extremely selfish, extremely arrogant. Well, let's see how he deals with this guy, especially when this guy is just being just rude and crude. All right? I don't know. Have you ever been around somebody who's arrogant, selfish, rude, and crude? Anybody besides me? I mean, you know, there's, there's unfortunately a lot of people like that in the world. Well, Jesus, Jesus responds to this guy beautifully, as well as to one who is very humble and ashamed of the life that she has lived. I mean, it's an amazing picture of Jesus. Let's listen to his words. Put yourself in this situation as I'm reading. Mentally picture what's going on here. Luke and chapter 7, beginning in verse 36. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with, with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now the Pharisee who had invited him saw this. He said to him, if this, now he said to himself, he didn't say it out loud. Now, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Now, what can you tell about this guy, this guy named Simon, from this passage of scripture? Why did he invite Jesus to lunch? It says it there. It says why he invited him to lunch. Do you see it? By the way, he's a Pharisee. This guy's rich. He lives in the big house. He's got servants. 70% of the people in the Roman Empire were servants, slaves, literally. This guy has plenty of slaves and they're all serving Jesus and this Simon, the Pharisee. So it's a beautiful spread. 
Why did Simon invite him? Right at the end, it, it says why. God allows us to get into his head. See, that's the beauty of reading the scriptures. It allows you to get deeper into the situation. So here you are, this beautiful, beautiful dining area, and their servants nicely dressed, and the food is amazing. And here's this guy just going, hey, I got this prophet in my house. Look at me. He's going to tell me some great prophecy. And the guy was all about looks. Because everybody wanted to see Jesus. You know that's true. Now look at what happens now, verse 40. Let's go on. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Now wait a minute. Simon said that in his head. I love it when Jesus knows what you're thinking. By the way, can I ask you a question? By the look on someone's face in the context of a situation or words spoken or things happening, can you get a pretty good idea of what they're thinking? Yes or no? Now, you may not be 100% right, but I think Jesus nailed this one. Here he is. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. Notice, I want to hear some great prophecy proclaimed. He's like, I can't wait. This is why I brought him here and why I killed the fatted calf. I can't wait. I'm excited. So this guy is locked. And Jesus goes, okay, here we go. Listen. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Here's the cool thing, is Jesus wants him to answer the great prophecy he spoke. He asked me. Well, notice what he says. Simon said, but I suppose the one he forgave more. Jesus just got him, didn't he? Let's read on. And he said to him, you judge correctly. Turning toward the one. When he said, you've judged correctly, I could just see him going, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's a classic. I know. I'm just that way. I'm a, I'm a Pharisee. <laughs> I know all things. And Jesus is going, okay, uh, well, you don't know nothing yet, chief. Anyway, reading on. Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. By the way, that's a tradition to honor guests in the Jewish culture. He didn't do it. And then what does he say? But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. And that was tradition as well. A kiss of greetings. You gave me no kiss, but, but since the, the time I came in, she has, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. And you did not anoint my head with oil. Oh boy, that was another very important Jewish tradition to visit a blessing upon your guest is a drop of oil on their head. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven her, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. When he said to her, your sins have been forgiven, 
those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now notice, did you hear anything about Jesus there was profound? He defended, he defended the one whose heart was humble before God. But he called out the one who was arrogant. He was very gentle and he, he visited three blessings upon that woman, didn't he? Three things he said. This woman did something so amazing in sacrificing of herself. But what did you do? You didn't sacrifice anything. You see, it's important for us to recognize that Jesus, if you get to know him, really loves and blesses the one with a humble, contrite heart. The one who has a selfish heart, an arrogant heart. Hey, I trust myself. I can get this thing done. I know all things. I'm smart. You know it. That's how it works. That's how I roll. That's the Pharisee. So it's important for us to go into these things going, okay, so Jesus is addressing this woman because she has a humble, contrite, honest, good heart. You say, how is it? She's a prostitute. How's that possible? She knows where forgiveness can be found. And she knows that she has sinned. And she's willing to humble herself. Now, you've heard me say this many times. We are to, to grow in Christ's likeness. Perfect holiness. Blamelessness. Absolutely, positively, we are. But you know the reality is, is there's no way we can do that if we're not humble before God. There's no possible way. When you take a look at how gentle Jesus was, you know when you're struggling, and I don't know about you, but I've struggled with things. Sometimes I go back to my former way of thinking, man, I just want to kind of hide out and not let him know. I'm just kind of shucking and jiving a little bit. I know probably none of you do that. But every time I do that, I go, what am I doing? He already knows. He already died for that sin. Why am I doing that? Why don't I just come to him humbly and say, I messed up. Will you forgive me? Knowing what he's going to do. What's he going to do? He's going to forgive. I can trust him. Now, there's another passage of scripture and I want you to read it on your own, if you would. Luke 22, verses 47 through 53. That's a tough one. See how, man, Jesus is a strong man. In the first one, he's so gentle and forceful at the same time, depending on the person, right? But man, in this next one, it takes everything he's got in him to power through. It's absolutely amazing. He had to have full and total trust in God to be able to do what he did. So we need to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And you look to Jesus by taking every sense and placing to yourself 
in the situation in which you find Jesus. That's why I read about Jesus every day. Every day I read a part of the Gospels, a chapter in the Gospels. Every day, every day, every day. Some of you have seen my old Bibles. Proverbs is all marked up. Guess what's happening in the Gospels? They're getting all marked up. I'm going through Psalms now, too. My Bible's a mess. There's lines, and there's this just... Kind of like that uh, professor and this chalkboard. It's great. Why? Because because I'm, I'm I'm learning who Jesus is. That's what he wants. He wants you to know him and to really get into it. And listen, I was just reading uh, a Psalms uh, just yesterday morning. Kind of hustling through it, but had lots to do, lots of weeds to kill. But uh, it was amazing. I heard Jesus. It was a prophecy about Jesus, two prophecies about Jesus. The whole thing was about Jesus, and you could hear his heart, how his heart was breaking for those who were lost and had no shepherd. It's amazing. Do our hearts break like his for those who are lost? You know, when you perceive Jesus in the scriptures, it's absolutely amazing. Well, I want to take a look at the second one in point number two, to know his words and his deeds. Take a look with me. Gospel of John in chapter 12. John 12. Listen to what Jesus says. John chapter 12, verse 48 through 50. There's so many passages about the word of, of Christ, but this is so powerful. Verse 48 through 50. He who rejects me does not and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. You think we should know every one of his words? If that's the standard? Know who he is and you'll know how he's going to judge. Just AKA. It's an open book test, brethren. The test is coming. We don't know what day your test is scheduled, but we do know it's coming. It's an open book test. Know all the answers. Know what the teacher expects and desires from you. Again, going back to knowing the word. But listen to what he says here in verse 49. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to think. I know what this, his commandment is, eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak as the Father has told me. Wow, for I did not speak on my own initiative, but my Father himself has sent me. That's absolutely amazing. Every word that you hear him speak is every word that God speaks to you as it spoke to him. You know, people say, I don't like reading the Bible. I don't either, but I sure do like listening. I sure do like looking. I sure do like placing myself into the situation, whether it be an Old Testament Jeremiah or New Testament Jesus or New Testament Paul or New Testament Peter. I love jumping into those and seeing it 3D. That's why we have a brain that can imagine, imagine. Do you know what imagine means? Image inside. We can imagine and see things. 
Brethren, it's so important to hear his word, but also to, to look at his deeds. Look at this next passage of scripture, John chapter five and verse 36. John chapter five and verse 36. But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me that the Father has sent me. You want to know if someone's of God? Listen to their words. You want to know if someone's of God? Look at their actions. Are their words and their actions consistent? Now, apply it to yourself. I want to be trustworthy. The way that Jesus was trustworthy and trusted God was by listening to God and doing what he said and speaking only what God shared. How many would agree with me that a man or a woman is revealed by their words and their deeds? You can know what their motives are. You just have to wait long enough. You just have to wait long enough. That's why friendship just doesn't happen in a day. It doesn't happen in a week. It doesn't happen in a month. It doesn't happen necessarily in a year. Now it can if you're in close proximity and relying upon each other. But the reality is, is just as we learn to trust, so we learn how Jesus trusted. How did he know who he was? Because he listened to the word of God. How many have read the last two words of encouragement I've sent out? I sent them out to think everybody here. Who are you? Jesus was the light of the world. Who are you? Who are you? You're the light of the world too. What does the light of the world look like? You look to Jesus. And then you reflect that light so that people can see the light of the world. That's who you are. Jesus defined himself that way, but he defined himself that way because of Old Testament scripture. Over and over and over again, Old Testament scripture. Brethren, it's important for us to look into the pages of the both Old and New Testament, particularly the New. Hear the word of Jesus. See the life of Jesus. Know that he is trustworthy. Know that he made it through because he trusted God implicitly. Finally, let's close with this. To understand his motives. Look at John chapter 6. And we'll close with this. John chapter 6. Well, this is the, the, la this is the verse I use for understanding uh, Christ's motives. John chapter 6, verse 38 through 40. For I have come down from heaven and do... And to do my, let's see, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. What's the will of God? What does it say right there? What's the will of God? Verse 40. The will of my Father is that everyone who beholds the Son sees his actions, his behaviors. And what? And believes in him will have eternal life. 
You know, if we don't see that Jesus believed every word that his father told him and then acted on those, we're not going to be like him. And when the last day comes, because we've not trusted him, we'll not be ready. Where are people going to see the Son of God today? Where are people going to see the Son of God today? The embodiment of Christ. Christ has a body today. Where are people going to see Christ today? Where are they going to behold the Son of God today? Where? In us. How are they going to believe the life is real or true? How are they going to know that there is such a thing as eternal life? There is such a thing as eternal joy. There is such a thing as courage under intense fire. Where are they going to learn that? Where are they going to believe that? It's in us. We need to know how Jesus did it because we're following him. And so what Jesus did, we will do. The apostle Paul nails it. I have believed, or I, I know him and have believed him. Next week we'll talk about believing. What does it really mean to believe? Might I share that I do not know God fully yet? And yet it says in the scriptures that we can know God fully from his word. Brethren, I would encourage you to search the word, to see, to hear, and experience who Jesus is so that you know how he trusted so that you can trust in the same way. Let's close in the word of prayer. Holy Father, I thank you so much for your word. I love the scripture where Paul speaks that he's not ashamed of the sufferings that he's going through for he knows whom he has believed and that, that he is able to keep that, to protect that which he has given him his life until that day. Father, I pray that we would also come to know your son Jesus Christ that we might embrace the truth of who he is, for really that's who we are in this world at this time, so that we might be those sons that would show the light of your character, that people might come to a saving knowledge of you through us, the disciples of Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get a little excited. You want to stand, please? What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings, King of Kings. All right, let's go do it. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.